and this is our Sunday school time. All right, saints, well, as always, we are studying out, out of our Bible Expositor and Illuminator book for the months of March, April, and May 2022. All right, and our, our quarter, for this entire quarter, we're looking at training, and training in particular to, uh, to troubled churches, all right, to troubled churches. And our lesson for this week is entitled Members of Christ. In fact, we are, we are members of Christ. We're coming out of 1 Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. For those opening their Bibles, 1 Corinthians, sixth chapter. We're going to look at verses 12 through 20. All right, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 through 20. And Paul is writing. Paul is our, our writer. He writes from the, uh, the city of Ephesus, and he is writing to Corinth, the church that he planted on, on his missionary journey and uh, to the Corinthians. All right. Well, Saints, that sets things up. Let's uh, take a moment, and we're going to bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, eternal God, we just love you, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you, you be in our midst, Father. You have your way. You rest, rule, and abide, Father. You be a light through each and every one of us as believers, Father, that your light might, might fill the void within our own hearts, and be a light for a path for someone else who doesn't know you and the free pardon of their sins, Father. So, Lord, we just thank you. We ask that you give us a good time in your word. Bless us this day in a mighty way, Father. Make our hearts receptive to your word, Father. And again, just let it shine. Let our little light shine. Lord, all these things we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, again, Paul is writing to uh, the, the church in Corinth they have some challenges and and some issues saints all right in fact two things that they were dealing with in particular was a, a, a allowance of sexual immorality uh, in the church it was a individual who was having relations with his, his mother-in-law saints all right there were also individuals a second issue individuals were suing one another Paul plants the church and and you're supposed to be a, a, a light on a hill for for a dying world you're supposed to be a different kind of example supposed to be showing love you're telling everybody you, you love one another and you want the world to, to be loved and want them to come into to the house and you're suing each other they were bringing civil lawsuits against one another out in the world it, it was shameful in, in that context it was shameful that they were out there suing one another and the world was looking at them and saying they fighting like we fight so these were issues and Paul was looking to address them uh, in, in the verses leading up to our to our, our, our chap uh, our scriptures for today all right uh, but but let's take a moment as I reflect on the lesson it made me think uh, refer back to Galatians the fifth chapter the Holy Spirit gives me Galatians fifth chapter 16 through 23 when you have time feel free to turn and read it but it speaks about the Holy Spirit uh, how we are to walk in God's Holy Spirit we live our life in God's Holy Spirit and don't give in to the flesh and that God's Holy Spirit, uh, he, he produces, the third person of, of the Trinity, he produces fruit in each and every one of us. Fruit of love and joy and peace and patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance and faith. The Holy Spirit produces these things. But it also in those verses tells us that our flesh produces things as well. Our flesh produces uh, things like division and anger 
lasciviousness, which speaks to a, a, a sexual nature uh, of, of things. Uh, there's a laundry list of negative things that come from the flesh, while there are things that come from God's Holy Spirit, and they, they are contrary one to another. And we as living souls are meant to bind ourselves to God's Holy Spirit, let God's Holy Spirit have his way in our life so that we become like one with God's Holy Spirit where we are receptive to his word. The Holy Spirit not only produces these fruit, but there's also other gifts of God, God's grace that comes from the Holy Spirit, the, the salvation, the helmet of salvation. The Holy Spirit seals us to the day of redemption. All right, that we have the breastplate of righteousness, the entire armor of God. The word of God itself is like a two-edged sword cutting us and those we might share that word with as well. And the Holy Spirit brings this word back to our remembrance. Our feet are shod with the gospel of peace. We should be a spirit of peace through a world of trouble. Saints, even faith, which is that fruit, it also serves as a shield, has the capacity to shield us from the fiery darts of the enemy. Saints, the Holy Spirit does a whole lot in our lives for the uh, saints if we would just let him have his way. And we were meant to yield to God's Holy Spirit. I, I also can't help but think about in the garden, or more than just the garden, in the creation of, of man. When God made man, he took the dust of the ground and made the body of a man. But what, to that body, he blew into it the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Adam was that living soul. He was not the body. Adam was the living soul. And saints, that's how we are. We are made in the image of God, saints. We are made in his image. And we are living souls. And our soul, embedded within this physical body, was meant to have a void filled by God himself. His Holy Spirit was meant to, to rest rule and abide right next to us. And we are to yield to his, to his Holy Spirit, to the Heavenly Father's Holy Spirit. And saints, if we, if we do that, then we're on the right road, saints. We have received his salvation. We have received his salvation. Jesus has paid it all on the cross. He has paid that price. The debt, the sin debt is paid. Death has been removed from our circumstance and we have eternal life. And as we live these days on this side of the Jordan River, on this side of heaven, the Lord wants to sanctify us. In other words, he wants to set us apart from sin and set us closer to him. All right. To, he has first declared us holy. We are declared holy with our salvation. But we are made holy daily, working out the fact that sin truly does still run through our lives, saints. We, we must acknowledge that truth and that reality. But greater is him that is in us, the Holy Spirit, than him that is in the world, Satan and all his power. All we must do is yield to the Holy Spirit and that greater power will overcome the power of sin in our life. Saints, that, that is what we are called to do, to simply make that decision and allow the Lord to be patient with us because we're not perfect. We're not perfect. We're declared righteous. We're declared holy. But he is working out that holiness, that sanctification in us daily. And let's trust him. Let's trust the Lord to do that. And we are, we are battling our own flesh, saints. That is the reality. We are battling our own flesh. All right. But scripture tells us, to crucify the flesh. And what does that mean when we say crucify? 
That means to think of it this way, kill that thought. The things that bubble up from our flesh that did not bubble up from God, not God's word, but the word of our flesh that comes up, we kill those thoughts. Just think that when it comes up, you say, you know, that does not align with God's word. I'm going to reject the thoughts of my flesh, even though they feel right or sound right. If it's not, if it does not line up with God's word, reject it and give your attention to the things of God. The things that you feed are going to live, saints. If you feed into God's word, you live. Starve the things of your flesh. Crucify them. And God will have his way. Then you will find yourself yielded to the Holy Spirit and find yourself looking a little more like Jesus each and every day. Well, saints, that, that is the spiritual truth of the matter. And Paul planted these things within, within the churches and all, all of his churches. Okay. But sometimes he'd come back around and they weren't actually practicing it out the way they had learned it. All right. The way it had been told to them. So here we're going to look at a, a situation and circumstance here where the Apostle Paul is readdressing some of these things to a church that he has already planted and, and, and given the, the necessary knowledge of Christ. But it's just not playing out the way it was supposed to. So he is again, he is addressing. Well, saints, let's take a moment and look at it. Uh, the Apostle Paul is, again, writing to Corinth. Corinthian was a, a major city back in those days, a uh, big-time city like New York, and uh, in, of the New York of those days, and they had issues, all right? The, they, they lived in a society for them where they actually had, um, had Aphrodite as a, a, one of those pagan goddesses then. She was a goddess of love. They literally had temples where prostitution was built into their religious pagan worship. These are the, the societies and the realities that they were living in. They thought your flesh, you, you're fed into your flesh. Whatever the body craved, you just, because the body needed it, it must be okay. And that is the way, that was the lifestyle of the people at those time, of that time. And, and these were the things Paul had to battle because it was one thing that it was outside in the Corinthian as a, a community, it was something different for it to be within the church itself. Those had come in and Paul had to address these things. So as we read, it's against the context and the backdrop, backdrop of some of these beliefs and societal quote unquote norms that did not align with the word of God. So let's take a moment and let's listen to what Paul is saying to Corinth. So again, 1 Corinthians 6, verse, 6 chapter, verse 12, Paul says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. All right. So this expression, all things are lawful unto me, was an expression of the day. People said, oh, I, all things are lawful. I can do anything I want. If my body desires it, 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 it desires it for a reason. God made this body and made the cravings and the, and the means for satisfying them. So it must be okay. All things are lawful unto me. Well, Paul acknowledges a, a, an element of truth in there. Certainly, some, there are certain things that are permissible, but Paul is letting them know not all things are helpful. When Paul says, but all things are not expedient, Paul is saying not all things are helpful to your situation. Can we eat all things? Sure. We can eat all the food we want. But is it expedient? Is it really beneficial 
to just eat anything and everything that you want. All right. The answer to that is no. I mean, I love a little. I love a a a, a big banana split. And uh, saints, I share with you. I like Pillsbury chocolate chip cookies. My goodness, I bake them in the oven in 13 minutes. That's how long I like to cook them. My goodness. <laughs> and I, 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 but I know I just can't eat it all the time. It's permissible, but it's just not beneficial. Just not beneficial. And that is what Paul is saying to his believers in Corinth. Don't be confused by what the world is saying, what you have always believed before you came to Christ. It's not scriptural to just believe all things are lawful but are also expedient because they're not. They're not all helpful. All things are not helpful. They may be lawful but not necessarily helpful. And those things that are unlawful, they can, well, I take that. When he says those things that we do, that although they may be lawful, when they're not necessarily helpful, then what they really are, are bringing you back under bondage. You're being trapped by them, addicted to the Pillsbury chocolate chip cookies and the uh, banana splits and all of that good stuff. And you find yourself craving these, whether it's sugar or whatever it might be. Whatever your guilty pleasure or, 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 or addiction could be, or bondage, okay? Uh, there, there are things that are certainly, I, would, I'm, I won't qualify one being worse than the others. It, all sin is the same. But there are addictions in this world that people struggle with that damage their lives, okay? Even too much sugar can be threatening to, to, to a life, all right? So it, it doesn't matter what it is. They all play the same role when they are not beneficial or helpful. They can lead to bondage. And that's what sin does. Sin, sin leads to bondage. And, and these are the things Paul wants them to recognize. All things are not beneficial. They are not beneficial. If you truly want to be free, stay anchored in God's word. Just like Psalm 1 tells us, you're supposed to be like a tree. You're supposed to be planted by the rivers of water. And how does that work? What does it mean to be like a tree? That means to take God's word, which is like, which is a seed, meditate on it, allow it to, to penetrate your heart. And in time, it will bear that fruit that we talked about of God's Holy Spirit. It, we, that tree is planted by the rivers of water. God's Holy Spirit is living water. And that word was meant to flow by it, uh, flow into your heart. And that water was meant to germinate that seed of God's word and transform it and activate it. So when John 3.16 enters the soil of your heart and watered by God's Holy Spirit, then salvation is yours. You are rock solid, rooted and planted in Christ. And in time, growth starts to appear. It may be slow and nobody sees a tree growing, but they all grow as tall as they are able to grow. And they all bear fruit. And you were meant to bear the fruit of all those gracious gifts that the Holy Spirit has for each and every one of us. Those we've mentioned and the many more that we don't even have time to mention. God provides those things. That is what it means to be like a tree. To be anchored and rooted or planted. That's what it means. That is true freedom. A tree is not free when it is uprooted. When it is disconnected from the soil. No, that is not freedom. That is, that, is, that is lawlessness. We were meant to be rooted in the laws of God to truly experience freedom. 
Everything else is a false freedom. It is a counterfeit freedom that Satan desires that you grab hold of to deceive us into going down the paths of listening to our flesh as opposed to our soul listening to God's Holy Spirit. All right, saints. Well, Paul has already said it. Not all things are helpful. Okay. And I won't be brought into bondage by any of these unhelpful things. Paul goes on to say in verse 13, meats for the belly and the belly for meat. This was another proverb, earthly proverb of the day, secular pagan proverb of the day. Meats for the belly and the belly for meat. But God shall destroy both it and them. So in other words, they were saying, listen, my stomach was meant for food. It, it aches. If I don't eat, I might die. And that's the way God made it. I need to put food in my belly. And not only do I need to put food in my belly, that is what my belly was made for. It was made for it. What can be wrong with that? And not only did they believe that, they, they, they extended that to their actions. If it felt right, if it fed me, if it fed my flesh and crepe, then it was okay. It was the justification for even the sexual immorality. It was a proverb, but it was not one of God's proverbs in, in, in scripture, okay? Paul's response was, but God shall destroy both it and them. In other words, the belly and the stomach are not eternal. They are dust of the ground into the dust they will return. They are temporary. Your life could not, should not be centered and centered wholly around meeting the needs of the body. Yes, they are real. They are to be dressed, but they are not meant to hold you in bondage and rule you. We don't want to be ruled by the flesh. We want to be ruled by God the Father himself and the Holy Spirit allowing him to have his way because it's, it's just not beneficial and helpful to be ruled by our flesh at all times. Now, the body is not for fornication, verse 13. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So Paul goes from the, the proverb around meat in the, in the, in the belly, okay? and then transitions into the concept of fornication. All right, premarital sex, fornication. And he says, just like the body is not, belly is not simply for food, all right? He said, the body is not for fornication. God has said in scripture, Paul is not giving his opinion in scripture. Genesis tells us um, one man and one woman, and when they come together, they become one flesh. All right, that was scripture. Now, the body is not for fornication, he said, but it is actually for the Lord. Our body was meant to be, a, a, to be used as a servant for the Lord, not to serve our own pleasures, okay, but to serve the Lord. For the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord in verse 14 and will also raise up us by his own power. God will raise us up. We can trust in him. He has the power to raise his son, and he has the power to raise each and every one of us. And we should be expectant of that. We are going to rise again one day, saints. This body that we want to put food in and, and satisfy the cravings of, of the flesh that we, are desire, that we desire to, to do. One day, these bodies will be transformed. They will be glorified. We will be given a heavenly body that we can, again, walk around in heaven in. That this living soul will be encased in a new body. 
All right. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ experienced it first. He was that first fruit. Not Lazarus. Lazarus was resurrected, but he came with the same old body he had, and one day he would pass. Jesus was the only and the first to be resurrected and have a body that was perfectly designed to walk around in heaven, a glorified body. With that in light, that day is coming, saints. So let's not mistreat this temple that we have right now, this body that we have that was designed and made by the Lord and for the Lord, not simply for the purpose of eating. Paul goes on to say, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. All right, so Paul tries to use a strong illustration right here. He's saying you are going off after other loves, all right? God is, is our first love, okay? And it's not pro proper to go after another love. And in fact, if you do, here's what you're doing, okay? You are members of Christ. To be a member of Christ is more than just to have your name on a church roll, to put a little money in the offering tray, to, to, to even have a prayer, to, to, to even to have the, the, communions and the communions and baptisms, the ordinances that are, are built in that scripture gives us. It is about, a member of Christ is about having a relationship and fellowship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are related to Jesus because we are covered in his blood. We share his blood. Our soul is sealed and saved to the day of redemption because we are covered in his blood. We share blood with individuals. We have family that we are blood related to, both to our parents, biological parents. Okay, they are, and that relationship can never be broken. It can never be taken away. It is what it is. And the same is with us when we are covered in the blood. We are brothers and sisters in Christ to each other. God is our father and Jesus is the blood that we share. That is relational. Nothing changes that. Fellowship is a different matter. Fellowship can be rocked. Satan wants to rock the fellowship that we have in our relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'll give you an example. Uh, an individual can have, have, have dementia. Okay, Let's say a, a parent and a child. That child experiences the dementia of their parent and that parent can time could start to forget the child. If that happens, the relationship remains untouched. Nothing breaks the relationship, but the fellowship can be impacted because the parent might not recognize the child. And that's not... That is the difference between just the relationship and the fellowship. God desires that we have both. And we should never allow Satan to try to destroy the fellowship because he cannot touch the relationship. Satan wants to get us off track and we should never allow him. We are members of Christ. We have a relationship and a fellowship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And to allow a harlot, what he is saying, what Paul is saying here is that you are in relation with the Father, with Jesus. And when you go off and have fellowship with a harlot, you are literally taking Jesus with you. And how can you take Jesus into this illicit relationship? 
All right. It was a strong language, a strong illustration that Paul uses that you should look at it repugnantly and say, wow, how can I do this knowing that Jesus is with me? All right. All right. So know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. There is a price to pay when you leave the first love for this other love for a harlot. There's a price to be paid in that. And, and Paul is saying, remain, we recognize that you are a member of Christ. All right. So let's keep reading. Verse 16. Paul then says, what? Question mark. Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. Paul says, what? Question mark is like, you heard me, but you don't believe what I'm saying. You don't recognize it. You, you, are you forgetting that I, I've shared this with you before? Okay. Don't you know that to join with a harlot is to make one body? The, the physical relationship is, is a, a, an intimacy that brings you together as one. Even in Genesis, God tells us that the two become one flesh. All right. Illustratively, the act of, of fornication and other things, they bring two together in a way that forms marriage. All right. It forms marriage. It is, it is, a, it is a, a intimate. It's a challenging thing here, saints. What? Know you not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? Did we not know that? For two shall be one flesh. That comes straight from Genesis. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. All right. So not joining our, our, our physical bodies, but joining our spirit, our living soul that we are with the Holy Spirit, with the Lord, to come together as one. That is desire. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. All right. Verse 18, Paul says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. All right. So here's the sin of fornication, and Paul has an answer for you. All right. And his answer is flee. He's saying run. He's saying the power of, of fornication, the, 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 the power and temptation that it lays gives you one answer. Uh, it, and it is simply to flee. Turn around and run. We, we see that in scripture. Joseph, the son of, of, of uh, Jacob, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob's son, uh, when he found himself in Egypt and in the presence of a man, Potiphar's wife, she tried to seduce him. And he had his coat on. His, and, and as she grabbed for him, he ran and left his own coat because he fleed. Hey, that is what scripture is telling us. He said, when it comes to fornication, the power of this temptation is so great. He said, simply flee. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body. If, you, if someone were to take something that didn't belong to them, take aluminum siding off of someone's house or, or take an item that didn't matter, whatever, these are external. But when fornication is committed, it actually sins against your own body. Well, you've sinned against your own body. Paul then says in verse 19, what question mark again? What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own, 
Paul said, let, let's remember, you're a member of Christ, okay? But your body uh, is a temple, mm -hmm. and it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Solomon's temple was built in the 10th century BC, 1000 BC roughly, okay? It would be destroyed in the coming years uh, of, of this writing. Somewhere within the next 10 to 15 years, it would be destroyed. But in the New Testament, the temple is not a building anymore. It is the collective body of Christ. Believers or baptized believers. And each of us, corporately and each of us individually, where the Holy Spirit indwells the body of each and every believer. And because of that, there should be a recognition of that before committing all the sin that we commit. And he says, again, as we read, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Jesus paid it all on the cross. He paid that we might have salvation, have eternal life, have liberty. Okay. For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God created both your body and your soul. Glorify the Heavenly Father in all that you do. Well, saints, that's just a little bit of a lesson, our lesson for today. Come on back next week as we continue in the training of a troubled church.